everyone. Today's episode is brought to you by Fuelixer. Fuelixer is the sports nutrition subscription box built for endurance athletes and enthusiasts. Every weekend, thousands of men and women strap on their running shoes, hop on their bikes, plunge into pools to train for the next big race. From newbies to Olympic athletes, these individuals are serious about their sports. Spending thousands of dollars on equipment, coaching, and training, all in an effort to reach their peak. They don't know it, but they're missing something. The power they are after isn't in the fancy gear or in coaching alone. The real secret is nutrition. And when it comes to sports performance, what you put in your body matters as much as what you do with your body. Rather than shipping subscribers a random box of sports nutrition products, Felixer builds boxes using a combination of performance data from Strava, nutrition requirements, and taste preferences. Felixer sees the types of workouts you do and gets insights into the weekly training volume. Felixer combines this data with nutrition requirements and your preferences gathered through the Felixer survey. Empowered by sports nutritionists, ex-pro cyclists, competitive athletes, in a little math, Felixer's journey begins by doing the shopping, researching, and calculating for you, the athlete. Felixer makes practicing sports nutrition a personalized experience for newbies all the way to U.S. Olympic athletes. It's easy and fun to get started. All you have to do is go to Felixer.com, connect your Strava performance data, Take a quick nutrition survey, and boom, Felixer selects the sports nutrition gels, bars, chews, hydration, protein, and recovery fuel that fit your individual nutritional requirements and preferences. All you do is you choose your Felixer recommended box size that was calculated based on your historical performance data. With Felixer, you can unlock your potential and really get back to what you are most passionate about. Whether it's cycling, running, or swimming, Fuelixer fuels you. Now, let's tune in to the Fuel Talk Podcast. Succulent. It's pretty great. <laughs> okay. All right. So, welcome everyone. My name is Pablo Quiroga. I'm your host, um, and this is the Fuel Talk Show, uh, basically where we discover people and products uh, with ties to nutrition, data, performance, uh, sports, and the mind. Um, on today's episode, we welcome Chelsea Dora Turner. 
Yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah, Chelsea specializes in rapidly growing urban agricultural industry. She is the co-creator of Las Vegas' most well-known educational urban farm. Uh, it's thriving national retail website and also agricultural business consulting group. Um, if you're asking, you know, why urban agriculture? Well, her journey began while living in a high-rise on the Las Vegas Strip. Man, I can't believe you did that. That's crazy. <laughs> and uh, Chelsea began to question, um, you know, how can she contribute uh, to the bigger scheme of things, you know, rather than being a part of the problem. Um, and after years of supporting the small local farmers market, she discovered microgreens. Uh, with no green thumb, she attempted to grow them into 600 square foot studio apartment, right? Right. Yeah, so we're going to dive into how you've been able to expand as a human and, you know, your knowledge in this space. Uh, so Chelsea, welcome to Field Talk. Oh, I'm glad to be here. I'm really excited. I, uh, I know we've talked about it and um, we really vibe on the same level of everything's connected in the mind, the spirit, the body. Um, and, you know, that comes down to what we're eating and um, how we fuel ourselves. So I'm pretty excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this, this spot couldn't have uh, <laughs> be any better, right? We're surrounded by green in the desert. So that's nice. Um, you know, what I would like to do, at, uh, you know, throughout this exchange of words um, is really dive into the agricultural industry, um, urban agriculture industry, and also your, your journey throughout, you know, um, from starting as, as, a, as a being here in Vegas. I don't know if you're even originally from here, so we'll learn a little bit about you, like your origin story, and then, um, you know, flow into today. Perfect. Is that love cool? It. Love it. Uh, so, what is your origin story? Like, where are you from? You know, tell yeah. us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So, um, born in Maryland, grew up in the Carolinas. Uh, I did grow up um, on farms, actually. Uh, I incubated. Like real farms. Real farms. Um, not so much the agriculture side, but actually animals, and um, you know, I would I would go and pick the eggs from the chickens, and I'd put them in the incubator, and I'd want to keep them as pets because they were so cute. Um, but of course, you know, my family would eat them, and so there that starts to teach you something. You know, why do I have this feeling towards that animal, and why am I, you know, what, what's going on here, and what's the agriculture industry? What's 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 happening? So, um, of course, I ate a sad diet at the time. Um, um, which means just, you know, a typical American diet. Um, so McDonald's, I would eat almost every other day. I lived on Top Ramen and canned corn. I grew up pretty poor. Um, and so I lived in, you know, trailer parks, and, and that's kind of was my life. I, I never imagined in a million years that I would be going to college, uh, living in China for a year, and doing business in health and wellness there, and, and owning a business, and now, you know, really being at the forefront of a fast-growing industry that's helping the world, um, never could I have fathomed that. But we'll talk about kind of like the progression of like yeah. how that even, how would that happen? Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, I want to I get back to like talking about uh, your your encounters with chickens and, and, and <laughs> yeah. learning from them. 
Absolutely. So like, what what was that like? I mean, you were literally, it was like from the table? Is, is that what you were doing or what? Yeah, it was um, pretty fascinating. So I would um, tend to the farm, the animals. Um, we had everything from horses to cows to chickens to pigs. Yeah. Brassel pigs um, and all that fun stuff. Um, <laughs> I've seen horses give birth, which is a beautiful thing that I highly recommend for anybody to experience. Everyone who has seen that always says that. It's, it's weird. such a Why strange, beautiful No one says that about thing. humans. That's no one's like, no one needs no. to be. <laughs> but horses, it's like I have I have friends with like in that kind of, you mm -hmm. know, they're they have horses or whatever, like polo teams or whatever. So they're always around horses and they always say that. Like, why is that? I think there's something just so real and connected to nature in that moment. You, so you at, at, at a point, really feel connected to what's happening, and you really experience it. Even at a young age, it's it's an it's that awe-inspiring moment. Um, and a little gross all at the same time. Um, it, it, but it, it's almost like a coming-of-age thing. You're like, you see that, and you're like, wow. This world is has a lot to offer, and there's a lot that we're connected to. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, things like that would happen, and um, you know, I think I learned a lot about the how connected we are to nature, and how connected we are to everything that's around us. That's not just another human or just ourselves, mm -hmm. but that how we affect other things. Yeah. Um, and I think that that was a. a you know, an eye-opening moment for me. I think a lot of compassion came out of that and a lot of um, knowledge that I didn't really understand, I don't think, until now. I don't think I really even connected that that was a big piece of my life at all. Um, and probably to this moment as we're talking. I mean, I, you know, I, I haven't really thought about it that way. So, um, but now looking back, I think, I think it has shaped me in some ways. Um, also, coming from a harder place, you know, coming from a place of not a lot of money and things like that. Yeah. I think um, fuels you to really see things differently in the world, especially when you come to a place like on the Strip in Las Vegas, and yeah. you know, in what brought San you here to Vegas? Um, so my grandfather mm -hmm. moved here, and he's lived here, and he was um, his wife died, and so we moved out. My family, my mom, um, we moved out here to be with him. Okay. And so all of a sudden, I come from a farm, and then they s stick me right in the middle you know, Las Vegas, a, a city. And uh, my whole life changed, obviously. <laughs> um, I got picked on. I had an accent. How old were you? Um, I had to be probably like 13. Um, okay. So I was pretty young. Yeah. And um, they used to call me country grammar. And uh, I loved Nelly at the time, so I thought Nelly? I was cool, yeah. <laughs> um, and. Yeah, and I got picked on quite a bit, uh, so I lost my accent. Now I wish I had my accent back, but... So anybody out there who has an accent and you get picked on, don't worry about it, keep your accent. It's awesome, <laughs> because when you get older, everyone's gonna... You're gonna wish you had it, because it's great. Yeah. Um, it distinguishes you. Yeah, it's so it's awesome. It's your character. Absolutely. So own that. Own who you are. That's like such a big thing that took a long time for me to learn. Mm -hmm. And I think once you learn that, you 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 beam you beam light and happiness and everything. Well, um, it gave you character, obviously. You know, yeah, absolutely. Um, gave, I mean, I, I went through that too because mm -hmm. my Spanish was my first language. So like growing up. You know, most of my friends. I went to this private school, so everyone around me were, you know, very American. You know, mm -hmm. and and they just like demolished my last name, for example. You know, <laughs> and I would have to tell them how to pronounce that. But other kids would like 
you know, most people wouldn't correct someone else and, and they would just let their name be crushed. Right. You know what I mean? So that helps, it helps build character. That's good. Absolutely. Cool. So you came to Vegas, you're in the desert, um, you know, you're, you're getting nicknames. Um, <laughs> so, you know, what, uh, what took you to, you know, through, through your academic uh, path? Because I know you went to UNLV as well, right? Correct. So when you got to UNLV, uh, was it always a goal for you to kind of go to university, go to college, or um, it was just something you had to do? Like, how was that like for you? Coming from the place that I came, I, I didn't want to end up like what I saw. Yeah. Um, I didn't know it was an option for me to not end up that way, but once I came to Las Vegas, I saw how other people lived, and I saw that there was potential, mm. and I, I refused to live the way that I um, that I experienced um, and saw people suffering, and, and not suffering like, oh, my life is the worst life ever, but suffering in the way that there was just a lot of ignorance. Yeah. There was a, not a lot of exploration. And I think that that I, I felt sad for them um, because they just didn't have access to to anything but what was around them. And what was around them was very narrow-minded, mm-hmm. and it caused them to be disconnected from themselves mm-hmm. and disconnected from everything around them. Yeah. Um, and I think when I saw so much I could learn, I, I, I was like, I, I have to do this. So the, the, a drive came, a drive came to, to learn everything. Yeah. Want to move out of the country, want to, you know, learn as much as I can, want to get a degree, want to do all of those things. Yeah. Um, side note, as I'm getting a degree, I'm like, why am I getting a degree? But <laughs> yeah, of we all feel but, like uh, that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but I think all experiences are good experiences. And I think that one of the best lessons I ever learned was there's no really good or bad. Like if something bad happens, it's just information mm-hmm. to, and then you use that information to like make your next moves and tweak your next, you know, situation. And that's how you can move through life in a healthy way. As soon as you see a situation as bad, all of a sudden you're spiraling, all of a sudden you're not living your truth, all of a sudden you're not able to tweak and get better at anything. Yeah. So I think for me, at learning that was a big, big important What lesson. What triggered the want um, and the need to discover more? Like what, what, what made you different than your environment? Survival. Uh, it really comes down to survival. I think when you have a lot of trauma in your life and Uh a lot of things happen in your life, you have two choices, survive or get sucked into it. And there's, there's literally no other option. And when you make a decision to survive, you find every, any way to get there. And it's not an easy road. You literally just have to have faith that there is, that there is a path. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of times you don't find it right away. You Mm -hmm. just don't. And you just have to have faith. There yeah. literally is no other answer. I'm not necessarily a religious person, but I believe in faith. Yeah. And it, the, our brains, it, there's neuroplasticity, and it needs that constant faith and positivity to like function the way that we want it to function. As soon as we go down that other path, our brain can shift, and it can experience whatever we're giving it. So That's a lot of trust in yourself. It sounds like you've been trusting your soul uh, to lead you. You have to. <laughs> there literally is no other way. Because who else are you yeah. going to trust? Yeah. Who else are you going to trust? That's true. You can't. There's there's, there's no other way. You have to fill Powerful. your cup. Yeah. And fill everyone else with the overflow. Like, I know that's a saying people use, but when you experience that saying, you'll uh, know it. 
you'll understand it. It's yeah. not selfish. It's it's honestly the most selfless thing you can do. Yeah. Absolutely. I get it. That's, yeah. Drop the mic. Wait, let yeah. me pick up the mic. <laughs> I don't even know where the mic is anymore. Um, All right, cool. Um, so you're not at UNLV, right? What did you study there? Um, so, yeah, so, um, and I picked UNLV um, to kind of stay with my family. And then also I had a full ride, so it made the most sense mm -hmm. um, to go to UNLV. Um, so I went there and I studied international business marketing with a minor in Chinese. And at the time, success to me was a businesswoman. A businesswoman, make a lot of money, you know, go at it hard. You know, yeah. I was I was moving mover and shaker. I wanted to do medical sales. You know, right. um, that's what I originally, I wanted the most competitive sales job I could possibly get and kill it. That's intense. That's what I wanted, right? Like coming out of high school, what high school kids, like I want to go and <laughs> like sell medical, you know, who knows, because it's the most competitive sales. Um, but as I got out of being an athlete in, in high school uh -huh. and going into college and starting to gain weight and starting to kind of see other kids, you know, gaining weight and things like that and not feeling well, I'm like, this doesn't seem right. Like, we're, we're at the prime of our lives. Like, why do we feel like crap? You know, what's yeah. going on here? And so I started, I got really into health and wellness because I was getting into medical sales and um, I realized that, you know, why are we... Why are we, why, why is there so many medicines? Why is this such a lucrative business? Like what's going on? And I started watching every documentary like we all do and, and reading all the books I could and talking to all the gurus I could find and listening to podcasts because podcasts were awesome. And, um, and I started to really uncover a lot of truth and it started to connect me to a lot of things I wasn't paying attention to. And it started to show me a lot about the world and how to be really happy and healthy and it wasn't being a high-powered businesswoman so yeah. my whole world started to shift yeah um, but I, I was gonna go to China to do business so all of a sudden I'm in China yet I care about my health and wellness so that's when everything really started to shift when I saw the difference in Americans health and China you know the Eastern way of living uh -huh. um, that really started to shape you know, um, a lot about how I looked at our happiness and health, for sure. Like what? I mean, what what is it that that really you know was uh, highlighted for you on that trip? So on that trip, I did an internship with the World Health Store, okay. um, and the um, woman um, who owned that um, was absolutely amazing businesswoman. Um, but what she kind of forced me to do is identify all the health and wellness companies in, in Shanghai and interview them, learn about them, put a bio um, on them, um, and then work with them to do a Biggest Loser Challenge in China. So everyone thinks China's super healthy, right? That's like wild. like they're skinny and you know they're healthier than we are and they've got it figured out. But what's happened is is the Eastern way or the Western way has actually really infiltrated um, their culture. Yeah. So now there's McDonald's. Um, they're eating beef. Like they're crazy. eating they're eating a ton of meat. Um, the business world there is like us in the '90s. So like steakhouses are starting to open up where they never existed there before. McDonald's is 24 hours there delivery, um, and they're 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 in 
into it because it's showing um, that they're 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 growing. They feel like they're 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 making it. You know, they they have got money. They you know, it, and all of a sudden, you know, it seems a status thing. Mm -hmm. um, and it really feels a lot like us in the '90s. You know, the businessmen going to steakhouses and everyone spending money and everyone, you know, doing all of these things. Um, but what's happening is their health is declining rapidly. Hmm. Um, and what I mean by that, like can breast cancer, for instance, wasn't even in the top five killers in the whole entire country. And now, now it is in the past 10 years that just happened. Wow. So, and they only opened trade, I believe, in like the 1980s. So it's like they just opened trade yeah. and they, and then we just kind of came in with full force. So if that doesn't tell us that what we're doing like, is, there's not a direct correlation between, like, our Western kind of, you know, the McDonald's culture and things like that. Um, and I hate to give McDonald's a bad name, but it's, it's, it's one of the, you know, the fast food chains that, you know, have come in there. But it's a lot of things. It's getting away from doing things in touch with their bodies and in touch with how they feel and the slower kind of movements and understanding of life. Um, it's very fast paced. It's very, you know, don't care about how you feel. Uh, take this pill, get through the day, yeah. work hard, don't care about your family as much. Those kind of thought process yeah. um, is, is now becoming a part of their lives and, 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 and now disease is, is really becoming rampant. Um, yeah, I've, I've seen the same thing in Peru. Is that I would go to Peru every summer since I was eight years old, and you know, in the very first ten years, you know, fifteen years that I was going to Peru, um, the only like really big chain that I would see was probably like Pizza Hut or Burger King, right? And people would still normally go to all the local types of uh, Peruvian authentic uh, restaurants and foods. Um, and for the past maybe I don't know, like ten years, seven years. Um, you see now, you know, Kentucky Fried Chickens just packed, you know, packed. Why? Because of the status symbol type of thing, you know? Um, you know, and, and in Peru alone, they produce so much chicken farms. That's, it's, it's crazy. The food systems are just totally wrong, I think, all over the world. All over the world. Um, and... Yeah, it's a model that they're copying and replicating from the United States, you know? It's crazy. It's like they're replicating the wrong thing, and they think it's, like, the right thing, and they always want to be like that. And it's like, no, it's really not like that, man. Right. You know, it's it, it, um, in, in Spain, they used to, you know, they're notorious for taking siestas after they eat lunch so they can digest their foods. Um, you know, they're, they're not doing that anymore. I was in Spain, and now, you know, some of the places are, you know, it, it's, it's not the same culture. It's not the same thing, you know. Tea time in Peru um, is, is a normal thing to do during lunch. It, it used to be like an hour, two-hour lunches. Last time I was there, it was like a 30-minute lunch with someone, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate those types of things are, are changing. But let's go into, into what you're doing today, right? Yeah. So you, you've seen, um, you've experienced a lot. A lot. Not, and, and what I mean is not just like the traveling and, and the China thing, but I think you've experienced uh, your kind of, your mission, you know, and, and, and throughout really understanding what your mission is, you're kind of making it your own today. Um, so can you tell us about that? Like, how did you start into the, the microgreen farming and 
uh, urban farming here in Las Vegas? Yeah, that is a great question. I think when you start to follow your truth, like what starts to feel good. So for yeah. me, it was, you know, health and wellness, becoming vegan or eating, you know, more raw fruits and vegetables, things like that. And that's how it really started. I didn't just one day like wake up and say, oh, I'm just going to be right. a vegan and then I'm going to own a farm and I'm going to give people smoothies and make people grow their own food. That that has never crossed my mind. Um, I would, ha I think I would be clairvoyant or something if I could have guessed that. But um, how it starts is finding what works for you, right? And, and like I said, fill your cup and then you can fill the others with the overflow. Um, so what happened is I started to feel better. I started to eat better. I started to work out. I started, you know, doing uh, triathlon training. I started, you know, doing all these different things. And I found a farmer um, at the Las Vegas Farmer's Market who was growing microgreens five minutes away from the Las Vegas Strip. What? Growing food five minutes from the strip in a desert, like, and these little greens taste good in my smoothie? What? And, oh, wait, by the way, they're four to 40 times more nutrient-dense than the big versions of themselves. Oh, wait, and by the way, they're easy to digest. And they're easy to grow, even for people who don't have a green thumb. Wait a second. Like, my whole world was like, whoa, 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 buddy. Like, yeah. what is this? But the problem was is it wasn't easily marketed. Like, they look like little greens in a little box, and no one, everyone passed it. No one understands No it. one knows what the hell it is. No, it, it's a um, huge secret, I feel like, right yeah, now. It really is. It's, it's like pretty crazy. this thing no one knows about. Right. And, and um, you know, chefs have known about it forever. They've been buying them for years and years and years and years and years because they're beautiful, they're vibrant on food. Yeah, they look they, oh, yeah. They're awesome. Aesthetically, they're amazing. Exactly. And then the University of Maryland did a study, and they did all the nutritional profiles of them and <laughs> found out that they're 4 to 40 times more nutrient-dense, and they're not grown the way the same way that sprouts are where sprouts was having you know uh, bacteria issues and things like that taken off the shelves microgreens aren't grown the same way so they're grown in a much more um they don't need to be sanitized the way that sprouts do and things like that so there's a lot less room for um sanitation issues so all of a sudden these have become really popular um, because they're so nutrient dense they're beautiful they taste good they're amazing and so but a lot of people didn't know how to use them so then fast forward to, okay, um, I started putting them in my smoothies because I, I was using kale, for instance. Right. Let's actually talk about what microgreens are because I yeah, feel yeah, like, yeah, because I feel like um, that needs a little bit of explanation. So what are microgreens? What are microgreens? This is a seriously amazing question. Um, so basically we all know plants. We all know a broccoli, a kale, a, you know, a beet. Um, plants all start off like a seed. I'm not insulting anyone's intelligence in the world, but it's important for us to know that. Um, so we have a seed. And yeah. then from the seed, a broccoli seed, let's say, let's use one plant, mm -hmm. it goes to a sprout. That's its next stage of growth. Maybe in, you know, anywhere from two days to a week, it okay. could be a sprout. Um, and then in about two weeks, um, anywhere from, you know, let's say, yeah, let's say just two weeks, um, it becomes a microgreen. So I'll have two little leaves, 
and it'll have a stem. And it'll be very small, maybe like three, two to three inches. Yeah, there's like an emoji, I think. Yeah, that that's, that's looks like Just a like little, that, yeah. yeah, it's very cute. Some people will know that. <laughs> Yay emojis. Yeah. yeah, no, I love it. Um, that's awesome. Um, so, yeah, so you have a little, you have a little microgram. Yeah. Um, at that stage, it's very nutrient dense. All the nutrients that is usually spread out into the fiber and cellulose of the big broccoli plant uh -huh. is still packed in that little two leaves and a okay. stem. So it's harnessing all of that energy that comes from that seed. It's like nuclear fusion in our <laughs> That is definitely one way of putting it. Um, it's an explosion of amazingness, um, of health and wellness. Yes. Um, so, so what's really neat is it's harnessing all that energy, but without the fiber and cellulose that we have to digest. Right. So it's very um, uh, accessible to our, our bodies, bioavailable, if you will. Um, for instance, broccoli has an anti-cancer phytochemical in it called sephoraphane. Okay. And in a lot of um, alternative healing centers have contacted us for our growing kits to prescribe basically to their uh, to their uh, patients yeah. to say, hey, grow this, put this in your food. It's easy to digest. It's easy on your system. There's live active enzymes, which people, why why do I need enzymes? Well, it really helps break down digest all this new, yeah. and digest. Um, and we're really lacking enzymes because let's say you buy blueberries in the grocery store. Yeah. They're usually from Chile. You're probably not getting them until 30 days since they've been picked. 30 days off yeah. the off the vine. Yeah. Do we know the how much we're losing from that? Like, I don't even know if we can understand because there's probably a vibrational thing we're not even getting. I mean, there's deeper things or than even, just. And, and, and also, when you cook the food over like a certain exactly. amount of heat, it loses the breaks down the enzymes. 118 that help you. degrees. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. So that's why raw food. There are some importance to at least putting some raw foods into your diet. Now, not all raw foods created equal. Some of it's very difficult to digest for us. So eating a ton of it is very difficult on our digestive system um, like broccoli for instance mm -hmm. so the microgreens are really great for that because let's let's put this way I get I get bloated when I eat broccoli yeah I eat microgreens I it helps me digest it digest yeah. things exactly yeah. so it's stuff like that people can't eat big salads sometimes they have digestion issues microgreens are helpful for that still getting your greens easy to digest you're not getting those bloating issues so there's things like that where microgreens come in and they're amazing also smoothies have you ever had a kale smoothie yeah okay totally. you taste the kale i mean the kale's there it's there um but what's neat is if you use kale microgreens that one little handful is four to 40 times more nutrient dense than the big leaves. So it's like putting leaves and leaves into your into your smoothie, but you don't taste it. So when, when you say nutrient dense, um, what exactly are you referring to? Are they like what macro minerals and trace minerals are we talking about? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I would definitely like to give you the link to the University of Maryland study uh -huh. um, to put up. Um, and hopefully if you put a blog post up or something like that, um, because I don't want to butcher the exact yeah things but basically anything that's in the plant already so kale all the benefits of kale it's the same it's the same benefits yeah, I was reading when it was like magnesium iron exactly um, phosphorus sodium I mean correct tons of, a lot of good stuff exactly good stuff, yeah. and um, and and that's the big thing is it's the same nutrients it's just magnified so you yeah. eat less and get the same nutrients kind of deal another thing that I was reading about um, that I wanted to ask you was uh, the different ways to actually cultivate them mm. or cultivate microgreens Absolutely. grow them right like you can do them through uh, they did a study and one you they had 15 um, like trays like the one you have here today 
uh, sorry, three trays, and they split it into three different tasks. One of them was use composite to grow. Composite. Compost, uh, compost, compost uh -huh, yeah, uh -huh, not composite, uh -huh. compost. So compost, and then the other ones uh, were hydro, mm -hmm. and the, the difference between those two uh, were like the types of water that they used. Mm -hmm. But out of the three, I guess the compost was the one that um, produced the most minerals. Mm, very interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, have, do absolutely. you know anything? Have you heard of that? Like, oh, absolutely. Know? We can get into growing. Um, my farm. So, when we started, we, my partner, um, did a lot of research. We have yeah. students from um, West Tech Academy here in Las Vegas. Okay. Who work with the food science type in the agriculture programs there, um, and they come and intern and do tests and all sorts of fun stuff. So, we've tested different water. We've even tested real water versus regular water. Yeah. You know, the company. Yeah, the real, yeah. Yeah. Um, they did a whole time lapse and all That's sorts funny. of fun stuff. We've done um, sterile pads, just basically like cotton pads, but that's it's not sustainable because you're throwing it away. Yeah. So you're not actually able to compost that or use that for anything after the fact. So we didn't love that. Also, the yield wasn't as, as good as things like we use coconut core, which is the outside of a coconut. So when you think about yeah. all the coconut products in the world, oil and coconut oil and coconut water and coconut everything everyone's we're in a coconut craze um which is understandable it's hydrating and more potassium than 10 bananas for coconut water and it's and sexy because it's on the beach and everything it's amazing it's, it's, it's great it's so yeah. marketable um it, 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 but the thing is you have this waste product which is the outside yeah. of the coconut and so no one's using that well we have found not just we as an us as yeah. a farm but we as a, a collective have found that it's an amazing grow medium so um, it, and, and it, there's a plethora of it. It's very sustainable and you can use the compost after the fact for gardens. We donate right. to school gardens here in Las Vegas, um, all of our compost so they can have, you know, um, really rich um, compost. Yeah, so the, the study was using also banana peels and like avocado. Peels, oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, outside the avocado. And the one thing I will say about microgreens in particular is all of the nutrients is in the seed hole. You only need to start adding nutrients like that when they start to get bigger than the microgreen mm. stage. So it goes a seed, a microgreen, a baby green, and then a seed, a sprout, a microgreen, a baby green, then gets big. Okay. So that's kind of the progression. So what happens is it'll start to exhaust the nutrients over time. But since it's only a two-week growth cycle at most, it has all the nutrients already in the seed yeah. hole and water, and it's a very happy plant. So you adding nutrients and things like that is very unnecessary for microgreens mm -hmm. um, to have them at just the most healthy and nutrient dense thing you could possibly be eating. So yeah. I call it a green superfood. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us how, how does someone or, you know, what was your experience in the very early stages of you, you know, doing this out of your house, out of your studio in Vegas? Yeah, absolutely. So go to the back to the farmer's market yeah. um, where we're, we got some microgreens. I'm using them in smoothies. I'm sharing it with friends. They're like, this is awesome. So the farmer's like, his name is Dennis. He's a farmer here in Las Vegas. He said, hey, you know, you're really passionate about this. I would go to the farmer's market and sell them to people because I was just obsessed. I was yeah. like, this stuff is everybody should know about this yeah. and um, he's like hey you know you should try to grow it I'm like Pfft. you know I'm laughing in his face there's no way I have no green thumb I'm in college I have two jobs like I am not I, I drive a Mustang like I just I'm not I'm not your primary market for growing anything yeah. um, he's like look just try it out I'll show you how to do it all that fun stuff so he did and I was able to grow it in my 600 foot studio in a week and put them in my smoothies 
and it costs literally like just compared to superfoods out there in the world that yes. they're shipping over from other countries and things like that this is the best superfood in my opinion that you could possibly eat and I was able to grow it in a week for like hardly any money so ding 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 that made a lot of freaking sense to me um, and I also realized that it was cool I started having people over for dinners and I put them at, like cut your own greens and put it on your tacos yeah. I was growing basil and putting I'm making mojitos with my mint and like all this stuff and people were like this is really cool and I felt really awesome and um, so it started to be hip and I was like wait a second we can make urban farming we can make farming hip that's cool. And so that's when the new age farming movement kind of started and saying, hey, people need to get involved with this. This is fun and easy and cheap and cool. Like, let's do this. Like, but it takes a movement. It takes people realizing that they can do it, that it gives them confidence and that it makes them healthy and that it's fun and they should share it. And then all of a sudden you got a movement um, and collectively connects us all together. And it also connects us to our food and where it's coming from, but in a fun, easy way, like not like, oh, I need to go to the hydroponic weed store and feel weird about what I'm buying because they might think I'm growing only weed and you know people are afraid it, it, it's very daunting the whole growing your own food is very like where do I start yeah it's stressful yeah um, there's yeah it just is. It's like, what nutrients do I do? What plants do I grow? When do I grow them? Like, it's, it's stressful. It's like too much. This you grow year round in your window. You literally water it once a day. The whole entire process takes literally less than five minutes. And you literally have nutrient dense food that you can put on anything. Eggs in the morning, you can put them on sandwiches, salads, smoothies, I mean, and, and wow never, everyone. You never had any problem with uh, like fungi or bacteria or anything like that? That's a great question. So the way that we teach, um, we're very available on like social media and things like that. So mm -hmm. people will just send us pictures with hashtags and we'll say, oh yeah, you can do this with that. You can do this with that. So we're like your personal farm hands. We make sure you're successful. That's my goal in life. Yeah. If you wanna grow, we're gonna make sure you're successful. What I also will say, the way that we're growing this, there's not a lot of room for getting fungus. Um, they're very, now if you put it in your garage and it's 100 degrees, yeah. yeah, sure. But if you keep it in your house where you're comfortable, 70, whatever degrees, you keep it at 60 to 70, they're pretty freaking happy. Um, you know, and we teach you to not over water and it only takes a week. So if you fail, oh, guess what? In a week, you can have a whole nother yeah. crop that's alive and healthy. It's like, yeah. it's not, it's not um, a big ordeal kind of thing versus if you're growing two months and then your crop goes bad and then you yeah. get fungus and it's like, oh my gosh, why did I even do this? Yeah. And you get like one tomato. It's like, yeah. oh, you know, um, so and I, yeah, yeah. So, sorry. To, um, what is your, your top view? Because you, you did mention about, you know, blueberries coming from Chile and then some new, losing nutrients in that process. So what is your perspective on uh, the weaknesses of our current food system in the U.S.? You know, and how can something like urban agriculture kind of help shift that system into something that's positive for everyone? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that actually brings up a 
a group that I'm involved with in San Francisco. Um, it's called Urban Ag Tech. So we have a 400 member meetup group that is everyone from engineers to architects to farmers to um, entrepreneurs who all get together and I bring in um, with my group, we bring in speakers to kind of start asking these kind of questions. What's wrong with our food system? How can we fix it? Where has it gone wrong? What are real solutions? And then we do hackathons and hack nights to actually create solutions for the issues. Wow. Um, we're actually working, our Kickstarter is about to launch um, for building the food computer with MIT. So we've already built the first food computer, um, version one, and the next one's going to be version two. And so just a little quick side note, the food yeah. computer is basically... It's a controlled environment box that you can put in all the details, so like the the, the climate control, basically, okay. and you can create perfect recipes for for a certain plant. So let's say I want to make the best tomato ever, and uh -huh. you say I want to make the biggest one. I can create a recipe for that. Say I want to make the most nutrient dense one. I can start to learn how to make a recipe for that, and it's all open source. So we're able to teach other people to actually build these, and and the more data we get from it the more information that we can get for making perfect recipes for each thing. So you're getting data from, but, okay, so, but is this for like, Traditional farming or urban farming? How are you going to? So it that? depends on how. So I think defining urban farming is important. Yeah. Um, is I farming? think you know traditional farming, like big ag and agriculture. You know, you think of fields and you think yeah. of that kind of stuff. To me, urban farming, the only definition really is just it being closer to our cities. Yeah. So it being more involved, like in the cities, more integrated into, um, so less food miles and things like that. Okay. Um, which usually means like indoor or on roofs or um, using old abandoned buildings, um, things like that. So urban farming is just really about kind of bringing the food where we are, mm -hmm. um, which has proved to be, you know, difficult. Obviously, I think we need a mix. I think all farming is important. Um, you know, big ag is just as important as, as small farmers, is just as important as your backyard garden. Um, all of them serve a purpose, and if we can help innovate for each one, I think that we can all kind of find a common ground um, on how we how we operate. But the more we can grow for ourselves, and the more we can grow closer to where we're living, the you know the better we're going to be on our environment, and the better our health is going to be. Let's say you don't care about our environment, that's fine. Like. Let's say you just want to be the best freaking cyclist you've ever been, and you want to be a beast, and you want to win Iron Man. Like, this is still important, like for you. You know what I mean? And so it just so happens that it helps the environment as well, which is really awesome. Yeah, uh, I mean, I read a study that forty apparently forty percent of food that is grown isn't consumed and goes to waste. So one of our speakers at Urban Ag Tech was um, the. Um, the CMO of um, Imperfect Foods, yeah. Imperfect Produce. Yeah, the burger. Uh, well, Imperfect Produce is what oh, it was. Okay. Imperfect Produce. So what they do is they take all the ugly fruit, the ugly food, uh -huh. the stuff that doesn't get bought by stores, yeah. that 40%, um, and they actually have a CSA program. So they send it out to people because it's still edible. It's still everything, but the, the grocery store can't take it because we are all so picky 
and we won't buy those. We buy the pretty ones first. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, the stores won't take them. Mm -hmm. So you've got 40% of food going to waste for no reason. It's nutrient dense, it's the same food, it's everything, it just yeah. looks funny. Yeah. So Imperfect Produce is awesome. They're all ugly fruit. I made a little video with Ogly the Ugly, um, <laughs> like a lemon, and he had a nose, and he looked hilarious, and he had little eyeballs I put on him. He was great, but he was That's cute, funny. and he was delicious, and he was fine. Um, so it's really changing our view on where food comes from, how it's grown, yeah. so then we can accept what it is. Like organic, for instance, that label, yeah. we are obsessed with now because we feel like it's the only way it's healthy, but I think of something called beyond organic. So it's, you know, it's knowing your farmer, going to the farmer's market saying, how do you actually grow this? Mm. Like, and, and getting comfortable with that because yeah. the certifications are ridiculous for small farmers. It's too expensive. Well, yeah, like to get a, a, an organic certification. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. For my farm, I would have to get an organic certification. I have over 30 varieties of microgreens at any point, And I would have to get a certification for each one of them. Yeah. There are thousands of dollars for each one. Yeah. It makes zero sense for a small farm. Yeah, I'm doing everything correctly. I literally have no pesticides. It's all water. It's coconut, organic coconut core and seed. That is it. So, and that's grown more healthy when it comes to pesticides in it than any other grow out there. Yeah. Um, but I don't have the label. So from, from your perspective and, and your role where you are in this entire ecosystem today, uh, being in, you know, ag tech, um, what do you think are the biggest challenges for you? Is it more like legislative, uh, governmental policies, uh, you know, uh, lobbyists? Yeah. You know, like what? What are what are your biggest challenges for you I that wanna, you that you can kind of see and that you've identified? I kind of want to go back to your earlier question too, because you you had asked something about like just how do you see urban agriculture, right? Like as a whole, like yeah, like a, the, the food system, the yeah. food system. Um, so, and, and what I mean by that is like going back to the whole entire supply chain and logistics. Absolutely. You know, um, the further away that our food is from us. Um, you know, the higher the cost is, and right. there's just the whole mess that can happen from Peru to Las Vegas. Exactly. You know? So, uh, getting our food with the least amount of hands exchanged yeah. can only be a good thing. Um, I mean, when you think about, let's say you're buying something from Peru, let's say, okay, so. Asparagus, they're, they're wooden. Exactly. Yeah. So, I won't buy asparagus lately because it's from Mexico, and like, I want California one. You know what I mean? Because yeah. things have to be. Um, Things have to happen for it to come into this country because we have to make sure there's not super bugs. We have to make sure there's not stuff that's coming in. So even if it's grown organically, the process when it crosses that border, there's things that has to happen to that yeah. fruit to vegetable, period. There just has to. Um, whether it's sprayed, whether it's freezed, whether it's all different kinds of things have to happen. And we don't have to know what happens. So your best case scenario is growing your own food, going to farmer's markets, um, and also just asking where the food comes from, getting as local as much as possible. Um, and you know what, that's really daunting for a lot of people, and it's like, that's a huge step. It's like too much to think about. We've got kids, we've got, you know, lives that we have to deal with. We have a lot of stresses to then say like, I can't even buy food at the grocery store is like, it's just too much. Yeah. So I always tell people to just start somewhere and the somewhere is, you know, growing something that takes seven days. 
seeing how that makes you feel when you put that in a smoothie every day, you know, buying stuff that's, you know, looking at the label and saying, okay, but this is grown locally. That's probably, I'll get that instead of the asparagus. Yeah. We're so used to eating what we, what, whatever we want. We have access to anything and everything we want, which is a blessing and a curse all at the same time. Yeah. We've never had that in history. Right. It's never been a thing yet. We are the most unhealthy and miserable we've ever been in history. Yeah. What's the correlation there? Yeah. Well, you know, we, we've all seen the the ads of Got Milk, you know, and those those that campaign was all paid by lobbyists Absolutely. of, you know, dairy farms and the industry. Well, there has to be someone that's leading the campaign for the other side. I think the other side is, you know, what we're talking about right now. So, you know, who's who's doing that? Like, who's who has the beacon right now? Is that's going to be shining light on, on this, I'm, you know, and making the got milk of microgreens. Absolutely, I'm very optimistic, actually. So one thing that 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 has made me really excited about this because I was really doomsday for a long time, being a small farmer <laughs> and like seeing people eat what they're eating and like just people unhappy and unhealthy. Yeah. But um, moving to San Francisco and kind of being in the middle of kind of the progressive of yeah. and, and like what's really going on out there, um, there was a lot of change coming and there was a lot of people fighting and there's a lot of people out there who get it. Um, and 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 not just get it, but they want to spread that to, yeah. to everyone. Um, and so somebody who's leading the way is actually there's a new documentary out. Do you guys remember? I don't know if you remember Cowspiracy. Yeah, you heard totally. about? So those guys, Kip and Kip and Kip and Kip and I think that's their names. Um, they actually just came out with another one that was more another um, documentary, but more based exactly what you're talking about, like the actual health side of the industry. Right. And they went and talked to people and tried to get information that way so that might be a really good resource um so there's people like that who are just shedding light yeah. we you me everybody here um you know everyone listening we are the ones who are are that battle we vote with our dollar okay so mm -hmm. we're seeing that with the meat industry like meat has gone down a significant you know percentage um, being bought and things like that. So now companies have to pivot. They have to pivot to other things. And we did that. Companies don't want to feed us stuff that kills us. They just want to make money at it. Yeah. So all we have to do is use our dollar, vote for the things that we actually like, and we'll get more of it. That's it. Mm. Power isn't on us. Mm -hmm. We have the power. And I think once we really realize that, it's like, that's how we change the food system. I was just teaching a class at UNLV. It was for hospitality, food and beverage management. I'm teaching them how to grow their own food. I'm teaching them how to start their own businesses. I'm teaching them to be inspired, to, to take responsibility that they are feeding people and fueling people in their lives. Yeah. It starts there. That's where it starts. And I just think if we can band together and really, you know, and, and get the education like you're doing, you're putting this podcast out, like, that's it. That's, that's, we have the power. What is your, your thought about respecting food? So that's actually a really amazing um, question because that's actually deeper than, it's so simple of a question, yeah. but it's really deep. And what I mean by that is, um, I get a tea magazine from Taiwan. I, I'm a tangent a little bit, but it's, it will come together. 
um, and it teaches about tea and Zen and kind of meditation. And one of the things is they they always pray over their food right before they eat it, and we've all gotten kind of away from that because we're not as religious as a collective as we used to be, and uh-huh. we you know we don't take time, we don't meditate as much, you know those kinds of things, and there's a lot of benefit in it. Respecting where your food comes from is such a beautiful and important thing to do. Imagine that farmer putting all that work in for three months of their lives to get you that food. Then it has to be harvested. Then it has to be shipped. Then it has to get to your, then you have to cook it. Then you have to, I mean, and then all the labor and love that goes into that plate of food is insane. Insane. And then it fuels you. What are you going to do with that fuel? We talk all about what we should eat. But we don't talk about, like, now you're fueled. What, what are we going to do with that beautiful fuel? You know what I mean? And I think we're supposed to share that. We're supposed to share that light, right? And, 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 and let that fuel other people. Um, and that's, that's the machine that we've got. You know what I mean? And that's really cool. But when it comes to, like, even meat, I believe that, you know, the Indians and, like, older time of people would go and kill their animal. And they, but they respected that animal. That animal gave them everything, gave them life. And they had a deep respect. That's why you always see buffalo drawings and, you know, things like that. It was a deep respect for that animal. Mm -hmm. And we've lost that. And I think that that's the important part. I'm not over here saying everyone should be a vegan and never eat, always eat plants. That's not it. I actually think there's lots of studies that say you can eat small amounts of meat. If you're very healthy, small amounts of meat, keyword, and respect where it comes from. And if we can do that and shift the industry, the meat industry, to be able to allow that for us, then I think we'll be in a better place. Um, but again, that's voting with our dollar. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's kind of it's tough. It's a tough thing to kind of. Uh, I mean, I totally under you know understand what you're saying, um, and and where you're coming from and your approach to that. But you know, try to tell someone. I don't know. And, the general public, you know, to like respect their food or respect the meat that they're eating, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit hard because uh, most people lead with their ego, you know, and, and they're, they're a little bit, I, I don't know, I guess um, selfish, right? Okay. But this type of selfishness uh, really doesn't help everyone else, you know, and especially you, you, you meaning the person. Yeah, so, uh, so I agree. How, so what, what do you... Um, you're, you're always around people maybe that are like Drinking minded. the same Kool-Aid? Yeah. Yeah, no, I get that. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, we're all on the same bus or whatever, on the same spaceship. Um, you know, how do you talk to people on the other spaceship? You know what's funny? Um, coming from where I came from, like, I talk to people from the other spaceship all the time. Um, and, um, you know, being in the business world and different things like that. And um, what it comes down to, if you feel good in your yeah. life... Keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. But really ask yourself, with what you just ate or, you know, going to McDonald's or whatever you're doing, can you go run a marathon? Can you go do the things you do without killing yourself, without getting home and being like, oh, the day I just need to watch Netflix and eat? Can you can you live the truly fulfilled life that 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 you know you probably could, but you're just like, no, this is just life. This is just how it is. Yeah. Have you just relinquished yourself to that's just how it is? If you have, then maybe you should start drinking some of this Kool-Aid. Because I feel like, you know, it's like this. People who wear glasses have all had this moment where they're looking at the board in school 
and all of a sudden someone can see it and you can't and you're like wait a second you can see that and then, and then, you know, and then you're like, wait, I can't see that. Wait, can everybody see that? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm blind. I didn't realize that I was blind. That moment will happen if you go down this path. That moment of clarity will happen. But right now, you're just blinding. You just don't know that you can feel that good. Yeah. It's impossible to know until you get on that path and just have faith that you're not living your most authentic, beautiful life that you possibly can live and that it is possible. Even with kids, even with, you know, all your life woes, all the things, it's still for you. It's still possible. Um, and, you know, I'm not, I don't wake up happy every day. I'm not like, yeah, I grow microgreens and I'm the healthiest, most happy person ever, but I'm a scientist of my life. <laughs> And I have constants and I have variables and I tweak. And that's all we can do. And you know what? I'm really happy with 1% better. If I'm 1% better every day on something, then I'm winning. That's what we have to do. And if we can do that, if you're 1% better every day, 365 days, you're 365% better. That's freaking amazing in a year. Right on. Anybody who does business looks at numbers. Numbers don't lie. Right on. Right on. So what do you have your hands in uh, in San Francisco? What do you have to to report here in, in the desert? Yeah, um, San Francisco's awesome. People are awesome. Um, it's a really cool place because I'm in the middle of, you know, people have money who want to invest in things, people who are really intelligent, um, people who are pretty open, people who want to work on things. And so what we're trying to do is bring them together and get a common language between like investors, business people, uh, engineers, and farmers, mm -hmm. which there's no common language um, right now. And so um, we're seeing a lot of innovation in the urban ag tech space, which is really neat. Um, and then I'm also working with a company um, called Juicero, um, which yeah. is a miniaturized cold press totally. juice machine. Yeah. And that is really neat to see a company who, it's amazing because this company raised $150 million to start um, as a startup, which is they're insane. Yeah. Um, they came out of nowhere. They came out of nowhere. And you, the crazy part is, is they're staying true to the core value of why they started, which was to get more organic fruits and vegetables to more people. And, and to watch a big company like that stay true, even when it might not be the most lucrative way to go about it, yeah. gives me a lot of hope that there'll be more companies like that on a large scale. Um, and so that's kind of my hope and, and my belief that like they'll forge away for like more companies to kind of stick to their morals and yeah. stick to their truths. Um, and I think it's pretty amazing, so. So you, I mean, you definitely have an entrepreneurial spirit. So, on your journey, you know, and your growth, what um, what do you think has been the most important trait that you've seen evolve over time of yourself? You seem pretty reflective, so I know you know. Definitely, I yeah, I write every day. That's important yeah. um, to reflect and 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 say the good yeah. things that are happening and, and tweak the things that you know aren't the best. Um. I, I still come back to like it's it's faith it's it's faith knowing that there is a really happy beautiful life that you can live and you have to believe it you have to know it um, and if something's not working like let's say you're gaining weight let's say you have acne let's say you're depressed let's say you're just unhappy um, let's say you're tired let's say you're sick all of those things 
all that is is information telling you you're not living the best like the life that's that that you should be you're not living your yeah. truth so all that is is information so all you have to do is keep pivoting until that goes away there's symptoms that's all it is it's not good or bad you're not a terrible person for having those things or anything all it is is it's life saying hey this isn't working this this way isn't working something's got to change that's it that's all it is so it's stopped reflecting all the things that you feel that's negative onto yourself and saying I'm a bad person and I suck and changing that into, hey, this information is telling me like I've got some symptoms, I need to try different things. That's yeah. it. So it's, it's just changing, reframing the brain. Um, there's a book called The Brain Changes Itself and it's all these stories about neuroplasticity and people who have like really serious neurological problems and are able to change them with, with working on their, the way their neurons fire. So if you say you're a crappy person, your neurons are gonna fire a negative and release some right. sort of chemical that's gonna be negative, right? So, so it's learning how to actually work on that. Um, and I, I do believe in it. I've seen it, I've seen it work. I've seen it work a thousand times and then I read this book and there's a thousand, a thousand people are doing it. It's possible. Did you, uh, when when you were, do you still grow your, your microgreens at home and stuff? Are you close to plants a lot? Yeah, so, so back to the, the farm. So the farm still exists. The reason why I ask is, did you ever talk to your plants? You know what? I uh, Look, I sound pretty new agey and like, woo, the world is so magical No, I know great. people who like but, grow their um, plants, they talk to it. Like they no. like pass on that energy. Yeah. And, yeah. No, I think there's totally something to it. <laughs> um, I haven't gone that far. I still drive a Mustang and I'm still not okay. perfect. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, there is boo-boo in the world, but look, we've got to bridge the gap here. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I do believe in it, and I think the more we drink the Kool-Aid, right, the more yeah. we feel those things, and it, and it does happen. Um, and you can sing to them. I'm, so the, the woman I have um, taken over the farm, um, my farm here in Las Vegas, uh -huh. she um, absolutely plays certain music for the plants and everything. She's very, very connected to the plants and how they grow and, and um, really feels like it makes a difference in taste and everything. I mean, she's, she's very connected. Yeah. Um, Oprah, she just wrote a book, Things I Know For Sure, and all the time in her book was all about growing her own food and how like beautiful it's been for her really? and like inspiring and how important it is. And, and I mean, I mean, come on, if Oprah's saying, I, you know, um, yeah, she has her own farm. She talks about microgreens even. So like, they're definitely, um, you know, it's a beautiful thing. So, but we, you know, we're talking to everybody out there, people on other spaceships. So speak, yeah. you don't have to speak to your plants, but yeah. you know, <laughs> why the heck not? Um, small incremental changes is, yeah. is the winning is the winning uh, recipe here. Positive words towards the plants, man. Absolutely, positive words to yourself first. Yeah. Okay. We gotta start there, you yeah. know. We'll start there, and we'll see how that goes. You know. <laughs> oh man. Um, okay. What? <laughs> what is? Uh, so, what's your philosophy about food? Then, like, how do you eat? Like, what's your approach to what you put in your body and how you feel yourself? Yeah. So very simple. Um, I think that, you know, back in the day, you know, we would, we obviously didn't have cars. We didn't have access to all the different food that we have today. Um, and so our bodies are incredibly resilient. So it's like what we put into it, it'll learn to fuel itself based on what we're putting in if we're consistent. So, um, so what I do is, um, I, I believe 
I believe in our microbiome and feeding our microbiome just as much as um, our bodies. Um, so what that means is, is I, um, I like for instance, let's just go through a day. So like I'll eat oatmeal in the morning. I usually do like a little bit of maca for adrenal um, fatigue because you know, especially all the athletes and things like that. And any if you drink coffee for sure, um, it really helps replenish naturally those adrenals, um, which most of us have a lot of adrenal fatigue. So I put a little maca in my oatmeal. I put some cacao nibs for magnesium because I I do need that. Um, and it's one of the highest antioxidants in the world is raw chocolate. So doesn't melt though. That. No, it doesn't melt. <laughs> I don't want. I to sat there yeah. forever. <laughs> That's like, awesome. Man, you're not melting. Like, what is wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. I was like looking up on Google, like, why isn't it? Why aren't you melting cacao nibs? Yeah, it's because it has it no fat for me. or it has like, no man. oil, like comparatively you know, to. Is this a joke or something? That's so funny. No, it doesn't melt. I do it as a crunch. I like okay. the crunch. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the nibs crunch. Yeah. Um, and then I put some fruit in there. Um, yeah. first a little more antioxidants because we're always, you what know, kind of fruit? um, usually, um, I rotate them. Um, which I think is important as well. Um, but usually blueberries, raspberries kind of deal, because that's what works for me. Biggest thing that I can say about your food, find what works for you. Listen to your body. And I know that's kind of a hard thing to grasp. I do feel like that's hard to understand until you understand it. Yeah. Um, but you'll get it. You just have to keep listening to your body, see how you feel and keep tweaking. Um, and so I'll have that in the morning. Um, I do definitely on like rides and stuff. I've noticed dates work the best for me. Um, it's just easiest. So I'll have like one date. They're like, a, you know, one or two dates every 30 minutes to an hour, depending. Uh -huh. um, definitely helps me through and fuels um, a little bit of protein of some sort. So like a nut, a cup, you know, handful of nuts, things like that. And then, um, you know, and then basically lunch, you know, it's it's for me i definitely have to have a a carbohydrate so like um potatoes rice people think it's a devil white potatoes white rice are you kidding me it's the devil right it's unhealthy it's not good for you that's what we've been trained to think yeah um but what i found is is when i've taken all of those things out my my digestive system actually doesn't work the way it does because my microbiome's really pissed off mm. so maybe they're not as nutritionally well, it's the way you combine them with, right? It, it depends to what, what you combine the rice with and what you combine starch with. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And also, um, you know, all these nutrient-dense things are amazing. But yeah. to live off of only nutrient-dense things, like if I lived off of only plants, your digestive yeah. system is very... Um, intricate. Has and anyone done that? I'd be interesting to find out if someone could just lift off their microgreens very quick. Are you testing me? Would you I like? Know, that'd be interesting. You... <laughs> that'd be a good uh, um, experiment. There are microgreens that there's a few microgreens that have all eight essential amino acids, and yeah. um, so you would have a complete protein there. Um, and sweet pea, for instance, which are in the kits. Um, so putting those in your smoothies and things like that is pretty awesome. Um, actually, high folate as well, which a lot of us are missing. You know, hair, skin, nails. That's the pretty plant. It makes you pretty. Um, you know, stuff like that. So um, definitely microgreens have a lot to offer. But there's these little aliens, I like to say. I like to call them in your body who actually feed off of other things that maybe the rest of your body doesn't even need. Okay. And they're very important. So like um, maybe white potatoes doesn't have all the nutrients that a microgreen does, but it definitely is a necessary part of, you know, your body's health and wellness. Um, so it's really being a scientist of your life. Get some blood work done, you know, go and just test um, where you're at. And, and, then, and then, you know, tweak. 
Um, but what I would say is, is um, you gotta listen to your body. It's the most important thing. When you say listen to your body, do you like plug in headphones to your belly button? Yep. And so what are you doing? <laughs> to listening to your body. Uh, that's a, I say it all the time. We were just yeah. talking about it before you got here. Um, yeah. So how, what, what is your description of that? That is definitely a great question. Cause I always, you know, I used to listen to podcasts and stuff all the time. And I used to be like, Hey, I, I hear you, but I just can't get there. Like, I don't know what you, I, I can't understand. And, and you don't understand till you, till you understand yeah. and experience it. But listen to your body. If you're not feeling good when you wake up in the morning, something's wrong. Period. Something's off. If you eat something and you're bloated, something's off. If you are burping or have flatulence, something's off. Um, if you um, eat something and you're not going to the bathroom often, something's off. I mean, that's period. That's just the way it is. It's just true. Yeah. Um, so listening to your body that way is, is really important. Um, you should be regular. You should be able to wake up and feel good. You should, you know, you, your skin should glow. I mean, if those things aren't happening, something's not right. And that's just a fact. That's a fact. Yeah. Um, so that's what I mean by listening yeah. to your body, I guess. Totally. Um, and um, it can be frustrating. It can be really frustrating. Because you're like, I'm eating freaking smoothies in the morning, and I'm eating kale, and I'm, eating, like, I'm the healthiest human being there's ever there ever was. But you're listening to all everybody else of what you should be eating, and you're not listening to yourself. So we can't evolve that way. We have to be able to be open to not being right. Yeah. It, it takes time to to understand what listening to your body and like eating you know quote unquote the right things right. for you it takes time it takes a lot of experimenting there's not you won't, <laughs> there's no magic pill but isn't that life yeah i i, I yeah. mean you know i enjoy it right. i've enjoyed it I've, I've been doing it for over you know two years and i've been messing around with diets like extremes you know mm -hmm. polar extremes and to calibrate and to find out how my body's reacted to different situations and different feeling sources, you know? Absolutely. Um, and I, I think, I mean, at least that's my journey and experience with it, you know? Other people, man. But again, going back to trying to get as much data about yourself as you can, I think that's great, you know? Yeah, there's a doctor actually here in Las Tracking Vegas. Sy symptoms and all that type of stuff. Yeah, and, and, and the way that he goes about it, it's like, even when you go get tests, labs don't do things correctly all the time. Yeah. So you could be completely... They do it horribly, right. actually. And, and, and so you get these tests and they're like, oh, you have this, this, and this. And it's like, you take it to another doctor and they're like, they're not reading your test right. And it's so insane. it's very difficult for us to get good information. Yeah. So that's why I say you have to listen to your body yeah. because you can't listen to all the stuff that's coming in. There's so much marketing, totally. there's headlines, there's all sorts of things that now, now butter is good for you. Now this is good. Like you can find information on everything being good yeah. for you. So now what we have to do is really listen to, you know, our bodies and listen to what's actually working and what's not. What I will say is, and what I've learned is simple, is always better. So when I eat big, big meals with like lots of different things in them, um, it, it doesn't make me feel good. And then when I've talked to, it does make them feel good. Um, so what I really believe is a very simple kind of diet. And that can be boring. It doesn't have to be all the time. But your base, get a base level. 
Monday through Friday, what is your, you know, normal, go to work, whatever, what is your, what's your day-to-day kind of look like and you feel best on? If you want to go eat a beignet or a donut like here and there and that happens, your body will absolutely bounce back and be fine. Don't beat yourself up about it. It's totally okay. Um, Being rigid is very detrimental to your your mental body. It causes stress. It causes so much. And stress is going to make it even more, you know, amplify the negative effects. Absolutely. While While you're putting the donut in your mouth and you're stressed, I mean, imagine, you know, those things that are happening, this, the... The scientific part of it happening in your body, you know, it's just gonna make it worse. Exactly. So you're just gonna eat the donut, enjoy it, like exactly, it, <laughs> exactly. You know? And have I, fun. Take take a Snapchat, whatever, you know, I like can't. enjoy the time out of it. And I I battled with all of that. <laughs> I've I've been through the ringer. I was a raw vegan. I was I've done paleo. I've done pescatarian. I've done regular vegan. I've done you name it. In rigid, I've done it all rigidly. Um, and the mental side of that is probably one of the biggest killers, in my opinion. I think what's killing a lot of the health world right now is the mental side of what's right and wrong and then beating ourselves up about it. Um, that's way more detrimental than the people who are eating bits of meat and eating a normal life, eating whatever they feel like they need. Mm-hmm. That's more healthy. Totally. So I think the mental side of it, it's called orthorexic, which is like overly crazy about being healthy, um, is, is extremely, extremely dangerous um, if you're not doing it correctly. So, um, you know, it's finding that balance. It's, it, it, it's loving yourself. It's respecting yourself. I think that's what it comes to. Because then you, if you love and respect yourself, you'll make the right decisions from there. Yeah. Because you'll want to fuel your body the way that it should feel, and you want to make good decisions for your life. And you want to do the right things. You won't do stupid shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I think it really comes down to the base important foundation is finding a way to respect yourself and love yourself and, and those things are the most important thing. Cool. Yeah. This is your time to kind of uh, give some big shout outs. Yeah. Yeah. Big to, shout outs, to, but what? Yeah, <laughs> to anyone you know, who's helped you along your journey um, uh, to where you are now. If there's no one out there and this has been all you, then it's all you. Give yourself some love. But yeah, if you want to, you know, uh, say hi to anyone, go yeah. ahead. That's, uh, I've never been asked that. That's like a crazy um, question, actually. Um, there's so many people. I think guru, I think so. Uh, you always start a story, a small story, but um, I wanted a meditation guru at one point in my life. And so I went and searched for like the best of the best guru that would teach me how to meditate and be this like enlightened being. And um, I found a guy, and I begged him, I'm like, can you teach me your ways, basically? And he said, I'll pay you. You know, I told him, I'll pay you, or whatever. He said, you know, that's your first mistake. He said, I can't be your teacher because you, what you need to realize is that there is a guru in everything and everyone that you come in contact with. He wouldn't take my money. He wouldn't, he wouldn't teach me, wouldn't teach me his ways and give me some, you know, BS. The that, guru is within. The guru is, is is everything you come in contact with. This experience with you, this um, um, eating one bite it could be an experience you could learn from. Seeing uh, this beautiful wall behind us is, is, is live plants that can be a teaching moment. Everything that you do in your life um, can be a teaching moment. So everything's a guru. Yeah. And once he told me that, it's like, that changed my life, I think. 
It was crazy, and I never talked to him after that. But so I'm shouting out to him. Hopefully, he listens to your podcast. Oh, I'm sure or something. he's hearing you. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. He's vibing he knows. with you right now. Something um, just tingled in his ear. You I'm know? pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and so I guess that's a shout out to him, but also a shout out to every everything I've come in contact with, um, because it has changed me. Um, in, in, in the best ways possible. Um, but only I have the power to take that stuff in yeah. and utilize it either in a positive or a negative way. So Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So I, I see, um, and, and we're going to put all your, you know, your information, your meetup in San Francisco, um, how to get these kids. Uh, and do you want to start, maybe? Uh, Get this kid together? Yeah, absolutely. We can grow some Marines. So I brought a kit for you. Um, so you can test it. You can take pictures of it. Tell your your uh, community all about it and how it goes for you. Yeah. Because there's nothing better than, like, an experience, you know? Totally. Um, uh, and honestly, growing your own region, you don't get it until you do it. it. You're just like, what? And then it happens, and you're like, oh, my gosh, yesterday there were anything, and today I can eat them, and they're like, yeah. it's amazing, and I did it. <laughs> and also, I'm super confident about it because I was able to do yeah. something yeah. and create something and make something living. Yeah. There's a lot of power in that. So anyway, yeah, we totally have a kit here. It's literally going to take two minutes to do, um, and um, in a week, you're going to be able to make whatever smoothie you make in the morning or after yeah. your workout, and you're throw it in there, and you can tell everybody how it is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it on, on Facebook Live. How about that? Yeah, totally. You want to do that? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, let's do that. I do need a cup of water. That's the only thing I'll need. Oh, that's so sweet. Hi, how are you? Hi, Rob. So rad. Awesome. Continue this yeah. craziness here. Throw some greens. Heck yeah. Okay, so I have a question. Yes. It's like a because you're getting all the nutrients from the seed, it's a one and done kind of thing, right? Yeah, so we'll I'll walk through the steps, but yeah, after they grow, you're gonna cut them with scissors and uh-huh. then what's left you can use as compost. So if you have a garden okay. or if you have a pot at home. You basically can keep dumping it in the pot and then start watering it. There'll be ungerminated seeds in there, and you might get full-grown stuff outside. Okay. Just for fun. Um, yeah. But yeah, you you would redo this. So you put three in these every As time. opposed to like, uh, like I've seen people do spinach, where you have the whole plant of spinach, and you can harvest leaves, but the plant keeps Correct. on growing. So and it's like a never-ending spinach. That is a great question. So, like, basically how plants work, and the only reason I'm, I'm not insulting your colleges again, but this is how my brain works. Right. Um, plants need leaves to take in any photosynthesize. Exactly. So if you cut the leaves off and you're left with a stem, it has no way to survive. Okay. So basically there are a few microgreens that you get more growth on if you cut only a few of the leaves versus right. all of them. So yeah. All right. We're live. Say hi. What's up? Yeah, but let, let them know what just happened right now. What did we just do so that we, they know, like, We just had, like, the best podcast ever that's going to change your life. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we're talking all about urban farming. We're here at this awesome um, place called House of Alchemy that has a living wall of greens, and it's awesome. And we're actually going to plant some microgreens today that Paolo can actually take home and show you guys, and he's going to plant and grow microgreens to go right into smoothies and have the most nutrient-dense smoothies. 
in all of the world. It's going to be amazing. So that's what we're doing. Awesome. Boom, Let's do this. Boom, boom. Let's do it. So basically, we have kits that grow right in your window. If you have size, for, if you have room for a plate in your, you know, in your house, then you have room for a farm. So all you people are like, I don't have space to grow anything. Trust me, I lived in a 600-foot studio. If I can grow it on the Las Vegas Strip, then you can grow it in your window at home. So no excuses. Um, what we have here is a ground coconut pour. So we've all heard of coconut um, products, so coconut oil, um, and coconut water. This is the outside of the coconut. So very sustainable, grow medium, and clean for your home. So you're not gonna get pests and molds and you're not using manure in your house. So it's not gonna be stinky and all that good stuff. So it's super clean, super easy to use. And the best part's gonna come because this is my favorite part of the growing process. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do this. So basically, you're gonna take three of these little guys out of your box. You're gonna put it in here. And what we're gonna do, and I don't know if you guys can see this or not, but we're gonna pour water onto the coconut pour. So what you're gonna see here is it's gonna suck up all of the water and it's going to expand. So that's what these coconut gore actually do. So you can see it just sucking up all the water here. Yeah, totally absorbing all of it. Right. And you'll just watch them grow. It's literally with kids, it's like the most fun thing ever. They're like, what's happening? It's amazing. So literally, this isn't magic. I'm not doing anything crazy. I'm not, um, but it's just soaking up all of the water. It's awesome. So cool. So, and you end up actually keep doing this till they're hydrated, about two cups of water for all three. This is like literally my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> and there are a lot of like, the whole idea of this is like, we're still able to get our hands into the dirt, but it's not dirt, it's a sterile yeah. medium. Um, and get kind of connected to our food, but it's super easy to do in your home and you're not messing up your house and things like that. So it's kind of the best of both worlds when it comes to growing. Um, so what we're gonna do is we're gonna make sure these are fully hydrated and then we're gonna break them up and it's gonna be the soil for the entire tray. And we're gonna sow the seeds. Yeah, that's your farming word of the day. Sow your seeds, it's a lot of fun. Um, so we're going to basically just sprinkle our seeds on top, um, and in a week, Paolo's going to have food to eat. Yes! Alright, so we're going to get our hands in there, going to soak up all of this moisture, and it turns into literally like a soil-like product. Wow. So this is the fun part. You gotta get your hands in there. You gotta get them in there and a little dirty and it's so much fun. And then you actually feel like you did something because this is literally the most work you're gonna do for the entire time. Because the rest of the time you water it for like two seconds and then in a week you have food, so. It doesn't have any smell to it either. Yeah, no smell, um, nothing to it. No, it's literally just a sterile grow medium. Think of the outside of a coconut, all that, all that brown on the outside, that's what this is. Um, so it's, it, and it's great because it's compostable, it's reusable in your gardens at home and things like that. Like I said, our farm actually donated, um, donated all of our compost to local school gardens and things like that to utilize because it literally people pay for this nutrient rich, um, compost. Yeah. So this stuff is awesome. So this is what you did, uh, you know, big? 
Um, yes, yeah, so the kids at UNLV, um, we just did class and they are all growing this as well. So we've got 30 students who just started growing theirs in the dorm rooms and in their homes. Oh, the um, yeah, and they're going to make smoothies so they, out of they're, them. They're not, they're not trying to grow any weed, they're actually doing like edibles. I did get one kid who, who was like, <laughs> all right, so can I grow micro weed? And I'm like, look, Coco Bore is, <laughs> I'm like, we'll test anything. I mean, we'll figure it out. I've never done it, um, but, you know, maybe he can figure it out and become rich and famous yeah, one day. Totally. If I inspire him to be an entrepreneur and whatever he does, hey, I'm, I'm good with it. So you sowed, you put all your soil in there. You don't want to pat it down because yeah. plants actually need the aeration. Pro tip. Um, yeah, pro tip. Um, because, when, yeah, you don't want to do that. So I left it nice and fluffy. And then what do we want to grow? We want to grow kale or broccoli? Let's do broccoli. Broccoli. That's a good choice. One handful of this broccoli, once it grows, is going to equal a pound and a half of broccoli and nutrients. Yeah. So you take one little handful, you throw that in your smoothie, you're getting a pound and a half of broccoli nutrients. It's amazing. It doesn't taste intense. Um, so it's not going to take over your smoothie, put on your eggs or yeah. anything you're eating. Well, even for like parents, it'd be great too, because mm -hmm. you know kids don't want to eat big chunks of broccoli. Exactly, right? exactly. Now this is broccoli seed. It's not like a, there's no fancy microgreen broccoli. It's just, um, it literally, this is broccoli seed will grow into big broccoli if you let it in two months. So it's, it's something important. A lot of people think I'm some scientist that like created these mini greens, um, but I didn't. These, that's just how they grow. So you take your seeds, you sprinkle them on your tray. This sophisticated seed sprinkler that I'm doing here. And you just want to make sure there's no clumps in one area because if they're clumps, they will fight for space. They'll fight for life and, and water and all that fun stuff. Um, so you just want to kind of make sure it's nice and even around your tray. Make sure they all the seeds are out because they all have to live their destiny. They don't if they don't if they don't get eaten and fuel you'll, yeah. you, they don't live out their destiny. That's very sad. So yeah. you want to make sure they all are out. And then all you do, and I like to actually take the label so I know what it is. I write the date. I put it on there. Broccoli. You can even if you're super creative, you can do all sorts of fun stuff. And then what you'll end up doing is you'll take your cool little water bottle. You'll spray all around the tray to create a little bit of humidity. This is your fancy humidity dome. And then you put it on top. Ta-da! That's day one. You literally became a farmer. You planted thousands of broccoli plants that are going to fuel you for rides and for life. Um, and then so day two, spray, 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 spray. That's it. Day three, spray, 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 spray. Day three, day four, you're literally gonna get a little stem and a little yellow bulb all around your tray. When that happens, you take your top off, you find a fun window, put it right in front of the window, and you'll actually hand water, and in about three more days, you'll have food. And that's literally the whole so entire process. That's awesome. Yeah. There's like kits that you can buy online that are all automated and all this different stuff. They're very expensive. Yeah. But literally you need seed, soil, a tray. You can grow it in your home for very inexpensive. It's the cheapest superfood and the most bioavailable because it's literally coming straight. You're cutting it off of the stem and you're eating it right there. There's nothing more fresh. You know, we get we get goji berries and cow nibs from other countries and things like that. And they're awesome and they have a lot of benefits, but this is the most live superfood you can possibly eat and you get to grow it yourself and it's freaking amazing. What are some of the other superfoods I can grow if I wanted to? Yeah, so in the kit um, that we have, we actually have sweet pea. So sweet pea is really cool because it's one of the microgreens or sprouts um, that has all eight essential amino acids. Uh -huh. So it's actually a higher protein. It's a bigger seed, as you can see here. So we say soak it for two hours. Um, 
but it's awesome. A lot of chefs love to put them on, on um, sandwiches. Um, they're bigger leaves. They're high folate. So like a lot of uh, pregnant women, this is awesome for. So if you have a friend that's becoming pregnant or wants to be pregnant, grow them a little tray of uh, Who sweet wants pea. to get pregnant? <laughs> Who wants to get pregnant? Sweet pea? <laughs> like that's the way to go. Um, that is awesome. Yes, that's the greatest present you can possibly give. Um, and then um, kale. So you can probably, we all know the benefits of kale. People want to eat more kale, but a lot of people don't even like it. Um, so what's cool about the micro kale is just little, it's a stem and little leaf. You can take one handful, grow that in a smoothie. We make a chocolate smoothie, for instance, at the farmer's market that's very high in protein. Um, and you don't taste it at all. Like you don't taste these at all and you get the kale and you get the chocolate protein and it's awesome. Um, radish, if you eat it with broccoli, it actually helps you absorb the anti-cancer phytochemical sulforaphane in the broccoli. So that's a really cool thing as well. Um, you can do all sorts of things. You could do beets, cilantro. Um, you know, there's over you know 20 different varieties that we actually have that you can grow and help you grow. Um, so this is uh, once you do one, you'll be hooked. It's like one of those things. It's like oh, I grew some food and it took me a week and like you're so excited that like then you're like I can grow anything. You become like all of a sudden you're a farmer. You're like, what am I doing with my life? Like, how did I? How did this happen? Um, so yeah, all my friends are growing there. <laughs> where, so where can people get these? Yeah, so on our website, urbanhydrogreens.com. They can go on there, grab a kit, um, start hashtagging New Age Farming Movement, so we can all be connected, share recipes, um, share any questions you have. Like, hey, what the heck is this little fuzzy thing? Like, I'm freaking out. I'm gonna throw it out. Don't throw it out. Plants want to live and most likely you didn't mess anything up. Um, just send a picture via the hashtag and I'll find it on um, Open Hydrate Dreams and we'll help you out. We want to make sure.